We are continuing in our series this morning, Life to Live. And uh, it's a series in the book of Ephesians, this wonderful letter from Paul, this apostle who had been involved in the planting of this church. He came across a small group of people who did not yet know him, just spiritually hungry. And then the whole city is turned upside down. A few years later, he writes this letter to them uh, with great affection and love for them. And so far, it's kind of been this breathless prayer from verse one all the way now to verse 14. We finished last week. We're gonna go into verse 15 all the way through to 23 today and finish the chapter. And there is no punctuation in that uh, first chapter if you were to read the original in Greek, there's, there's no uh, stopping, stoppages throughout. There's no breaths. And that is because Paul is just gushing out with praise and thankfulness to God. And it's all about being in Christ and receiving the spiritual blessings of what it means to be in Christ. And that we have received all of them through Jesus. And that gives Paul this great reason to cry out thankfulness to God and it should give us reason to cry out thankfulness to God too and he's encouraging the Ephesians to do that and the Bible encourages us to do that this morning too and as we continue into verse 15 what we're going to see is that not only have we been set free not only are we sons and daughters of God our father not only are we set free by the gospel but now we too are being built and growing and developing and becoming more like Jesus because the Holy Spirit is pouring out wisdom or knowledge on us and power. So this morning if you're feeling like man I can't do this Uh, This Christian life is just too high a bar. Let me tell you that it is okay because Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is the one who can do that through you, not you. So turn with me to chapter 1, verse 15. And uh, I'm reading from the NIV. It says this, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love, For all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. In verse 15, it says that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives wisdom and revelation. Why? So we can know God better. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. He reveals to us 
the truth that sets us free. But it's not purely intellectual knowledge. It's not something that gets kind of compartmentalized into one part of our brain. No, this is the kind of knowledge that increases our knowing of God, this knowing God relationally. So as we increase in biblical knowledge, in godly wisdom, we actually should grow closer with God. And so we have a a type of knowledge here that is not consigned purely to intellectualism or academics, but is transforming. And that's why it says there in verse 18 that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That's what Paul prays for us, that our hearts, that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened. Now in the Bible, your heart is like the seat of your whole being. It's where everything uh, finds its drive in your life. And so he's, he's praying that the Ephesians and he's, he's calling us now um, through the Spirit that we would not only have some intellectual knowledge, but the knowledge we receive changes us, makes us more like Jesus and helps us to know God better. The Spirit of truth lights all of us up. It's a gospel truth that, it is the gospel truth, that shines light into the darkest parts of our hearts, that shines light into every area of our lives. One thing I love about our society is how readily available things are. I mean, we moved this week and there's a whole bunch of things that I'm thinking, oh man, we need this and we need this, we need this. I didn't realize we would need this in this new place. And in one click, I can buy that and have that delivered tomorrow. We had a a hanger that we needed for a cupboard because we didn't realize there weren't any uh, poles to hang things on. And literally, I just go onto Amazon, one click, there the next day. It's extraordinary. I love it. But that's not always good for us. And it has an effect on the way that we think. Nuance and these kind of both and truths where there's gray area, actually they uh, become annoying to us in our fast-paced click here to buy instant culture. Our brains are trained to categorize quickly to make instant decisions, not necessarily reasoned ones. If you think about it, you're online and an advert comes on, if they don't grab your attention on YouTube in that advert in that first like half a second, you're just clicking skip. And every time we do that kind of thing, we are training our minds to quickly categorize, quickly make decisions, and not reason through and wait to see uh, everything that's to be said. And in the church, I think there's probably no other area where this is seeped in more than how we understand what it means to be spirit-filled or what it means to have the spirit work in our lives. What does it mean for you? So when you think about that, oh, okay, the Holy Spirit, what's the Holy Spirit's role? 
What does it mean for you? And I think often it can be that we want to categorize quickly. And so a spirit-filled life is, is almost in opposition to what it means to be a part of a, a word-based church. You kind of have spirit and word, and they almost oppose one another. And so uh, for us who believe that we should be pursuing all the gifts of the Spirit and all the, that the Holy Spirit has to offer and give to us according to Scripture, and pursue all that is there in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation to honestly assess and see what God's Word is saying about absolutely everything, then we have this this Word and Spirit reputation going on and it can look like we're trying to balance the two, but that is not the case. We're pursuing both with everything we've got. And one of the reasons for that is because actually the role of the Holy Spirit is not just spiritual gifts. It's not just one thing. The role of the Holy Spirit is multiple. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts you of sin. It's the Holy Spirit who draws you closer to God. It causes you to cry, Abba, Father. It's the Holy Spirit who comforts you. It is the the Holy Spirit who makes much of Jesus in your life. It's the Holy Spirit who helps you to become more holy, more like Jesus. So the Holy Spirit isn't isn't just a a kind of category of church. It isn't just a style of worship. It's not just somewhere where we sway a lot. The Holy Spirit is this wonderful person of the Trinity who is helping us to work out life helping us to live the life that Jesus has won for us. He is the spirit of truth. And he's helping us to grow in knowledge and wisdom. He's helping us to become more like Jesus. Matt Hosier, uh, one of the elders at Gateway and who leads the church down there, he uh, turned 50 this week and it was wonderful to be part of the advanced family of churches kind of leaders network because we were all uh, sending messages backwards and forwards to him saying just how much we appreciated him. And one of the things that really came out was his wisdom. So many of us, when we're struggling with something, just want to pick up the phone to Matt. Like, Matt, I've got this problem. I've got this thing going on in my life. Like, this is really hard right now. What do I do? And the reason we do that is because he has been someone who has committed himself to growing in wisdom by calling on the Spirit, by relying on the Spirit to teach him and give him more knowledge and wisdom. I would love it if there were more gray hairs in our church. Honestly, we could do with them. Proverbs 16, 31, gray hair is a crown of splendor it is attained in the way of righteousness. And for even me to be talking about Matt at 50 being so wise, I mean, 50's young these days. And uh, some of you out there are hugely offended that (laughs) I would even think of it as not being uh, young. But we need more and more wise men and women of faith um, who can help us. But here's the question. How do we grow in wisdom as a church? How do we grow in wisdom as individuals? And one of the things that blew me away about working with Matt day in and day out when we were at Gateway was his rhythms. And I think finding rhythms 
that work for you in your season right now are vital. He would, before he came uh, into the office each morning, had four girls, um, busy life, not just uh, leading a church, a big church with two sites, but leading across a network, um, contributing uh, to think theology and uh, teaching more widely than advance as well. And so he was a, he was a, a guy with a full-on life and he would travel a lot as well to, to preach and teach. And yet his rhythms were barely broken. Uh, each morning before he came in to the office, he would have spent time in his father's presence in the word of God, praying, and then he'd come in and he'd be ready for the day because he'd already had a think and a, and a pray through, what, what is it that I have to do today? Nothing was, he wasn't frazzled or rushed around, even though life was full. And it's because he had good habits, good rhythms. Now I can be a bit impulsive. I can, I can uh, do new things or new things come along and my habits shift quickly. But over, over the years, I've realized that most growth in my life actually is established by rhythms that work for me. Rhythms that keep me in the presence of God. And so if you're starting at nothing, can I just encourage you, you do not have to be a, like a spiritual superhero straight away. Just try five to ten minutes. Waiting asking the Holy Spirit to come and reveal wisdom, knowledge to you. Read a psalm, go through a gospel. I guarantee you that the more time you spend in the presence of God, the more you will want to. And let's get honest here. Some of you have very, very full lives and you're already thinking, well, I'm speaking, oh, that's okay for you. Oh, that's okay for that person. You don't know how busy I am. You don't know how full on life is for me. But if Jesus is truly first in your life, you will make time for him. Actually, it reflects something of your heart and we have to be real about that. Now, we all end up in a place like that from time to time. So, you know, this isn't this isn't kind of throwing guilt at you or anything like that. This is an encouragement that we all are drawn towards that. But you can, you can have your desires increased to prioritize time with God. And you start by asking the Holy Spirit to come and change your heart so that he might reveal to you more of his wisdom and knowledge. And find others who can help you. This isn't supposed to be done alone. We started the prayer course on Wednesday night and uh, I would just really encourage you to get involved with that. Maybe um, you're part of a Grace community. If you are, I would, I would urge you to speak to your Grace community leader or someone else in your Grace community who you think might be able to help you and ask them to pray for you. Ask them to spend time with you, have a chat about how things are going. And maybe find someone else, and I really encourage you to do this. Find someone else who you can just be brutally honest with in your life and really vulnerable. Someone who's running at a similar pace to you and wants to run faster for God. You see that desire in them. Think, okay, I wanna, I wanna run with that person so that together we can really grow. 
and um, make sure that person you can trust, it's an appropriate relationship so you can share uh, some of the things in your life that you're struggling with. Those kind of relationships honestly have made a huge difference to my faith over the years. To gain knowledge that really counts and deepens your relationship with God day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, begins by asking the Spirit to help you. Call on the Holy Spirit. He loves to spend time with you, to be with you, to draw you closer to your Father. And he will give you that knowledge to help you know God better. So the Spirit gives more knowledge, but the Spirit also gives more power. Now, we've just been talking about what it would look like to to be more disciplined, to have better rhythms in our lives. And maybe that's made you go, oh, I can't do that. I don't have the strength or the power to do that. Do you ever find yourself doing that? Oh man, I just have the power, the strength, the consistency to do the things that God has called me to do. Honestly, sometimes I ask God, God, did you really give me that vision for the whole of Glasgow and to be planting a church and to be working with others to see God, you transform this whole city? I don't, how on earth, what? Surely it's mistaken identity. It can't be me. I sometimes barely have the guts to even talk to my neighbor about Jesus or or ask if I could pray for them. How could it possibly be me? And if you're anything like me, even when you are shown up to be feeble and unable, your answer is, I can fix this. I can do this. I just need to work harder. I, I just need to get better. I need to get a better app. And, and I need to get a better diary. And I, I need to keep going and work harder and stop being a loser. Well, here's where I think the problem often lies. We end up retelling the gospel, this glorious story of how Jesus has come to save us, rescue us, redeem us. And we tell it in such a way that we finish before it ends. We talk about the cross, we talk about the resurrection, Jesus giving us new life at the resurrection. But then we stop. But actually the gospel continues. Jesus then spends 40 days with the disciples and some other followers, even to 501 day, all these witnesses. And then he ascends before the disciples. And he he goes up into the sky. And where does he go? He goes to the throne room of God and he sits at the right hand of God and he rules and he reigns over all things. He is our saviour, yes. But he is also our king with an insurpassable greatness in his power. Is unrivaled. His mighty strength cannot be limited. Can you do it? Can you really live this life that you've been called to live? No, you can't. Not in your own strength. Can God? Yes, 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 yes. A billion times yes. The good news is this. 
And we have to get super clear on this. We cannot do it, but God can. It's not your strength or power you need, but it is resurrection power, the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead. And then it's Jesus who then was ascended on high and poured out that same Spirit on us. So not only has he ascended and taken his throne, but he has poured out that same spirit that raised him from the dead. And so the power of the gospel, this very gospel of new life is now in us. And it is that power that we need. When Jesus rose, he was the first fruits. He led the way to raise those of us who believe from the dead. We were spiritually dead and now we're alive in Christ. And one day our dead bodies will be raised when Jesus returns. But right now we've already been born again. And when we were given this new life, it wasn't just that Jesus then leaves us between this moment of new birth and then him returning. No, we don't just close the doors and sit tight and close the blinds and kill time until Jesus returns. No, no, no. We receive the power to live a resurrection life now because the ascended king has poured out his Holy Spirit on the church, on us. You remember Peter, the disciple? Bumbling wreck the night Jesus had been arrested. Little girl asks him, do you know Jesus? Do you know this Jesus? Aren't you one of them from Galilee? Denies Jesus three times. Doesn't have the guts to even tell this little girl. Bumbling wreck, fearful. At Pentecost, the day when the church is born and the Holy Spirit is poured out from the King who has risen on high, Peter stands up before thousands of people the same people who bade for the blood of Jesus, the same people who called for him to be put to death, and he boldly preaches that Jesus has risen from the dead, ascended on high, and now rules and reigns over all things, and that all people can come and know him now through faith. No one becomes mature and wise in Christ because of their own strength. No one leads another person to Jesus out of their own power. It can only come in the power of God working through us. Even when we think it is us, it's not us. Here are just a few examples, okay? I want to kind of ground this for us a little bit. Um, But here's a few examples of what the power of the Spirit, which is being poured out on us, poured out on you, from the throne of God can do for us. First one, we can rely on the Spirit's power to share the love of God. Now, I'm no evangelist. It's just not where I'm gifted, but we're all called to share the good news we've received. Now, when I'm trying to do that in my own strength, to tell people about Jesus, I'm like the bumbling wreck and somehow find myself, genuinely, I sound like a car salesman trying to sell Dacias at the price of a Porsche. When I rely on God's power, though, 
when I'm into that habit of relying on his strength and relying on his power, humbling myself before him and saying, God, come use me, something increasingly changes in me. I grow in something. It's a, there's a freedom. The inhibitions start to, to go. And I, I get a sense that God is speaking through me and can speak to people, not because I've done anything, but purely because I've kind of laid aside my pride, laid aside my own efforts. Now I'm praying that I could be more consistent in that. And I'm praying for us as a church as well. And my heart would be that as a whole church, we'd be praying for that through this prayer course. And at the end of that prayer course, we're going to launch an alpha. Be praying through that, that we would increase in boldness. We'd be praying for friends and family as well, that they would come to faith or, and, and, and come along to alpha. When we rely on the Spirit's power, number two, sin is overcome. What habits can't you shake? What do you say that you wish you hadn't? Where does your tongue get the better of you? It can feel impossible. I uh, am a very competitive person. I love to win. And there is nothing for me that is more fun than battling it out on a sports field or around a games table and trying to win and try and beat your mates. There's just nothing better than it for me. But there is, although that can be fun and good and, and done in, in a good way, there is definitely a dark side to that based on pride. And actually, when I was younger, I seriously struggled with it to the point that if I wasn't good enough to win at something, I would just give it up. Musical instruments, maths, science, don't care, not listening, giving it up. If I can't be the best in the class, then I'm not bothered. I would, uh, when we lost rugby games that I felt we should have won, I was miserable to be around. And I mean miserable. You just wouldn't want to be near me for days. Why? Because I was full of pride. That, that competition wasn't just a healthy, kind of competitive, fun, good-natured thing. But it was, it was sin. But honestly, I can say now that because of the power of God at work in me, it took me a long time to realize there was even a problem, by the way. Everybody else realized, not me. And eventually I realized the problem. I'm like, oh Lord, help me. And over time, I've got better at it. I'm not perfect at it. Still bad moments. But I th even now I can celebrate wins for people when I'm the loser in it. And, and honestly, I could never have done that without God. I would, I would have continued in my pride and just been so competitive in everything that I did. But now it's like Jesus is giving me some kind of new way of doing things. And I, I tell that story not to be like, oh, well, look at me. No, no, no. Like, if anything, look how pathetic and feeble I was at trying to overcome that until I invited the power of the Holy Spirit to come and change that in me. And the same can be true for you, whether that is lust or whether that is uh, alcohol, whether that is your tongue that you can't control, God can overcome it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Call on him to do it. Number three, when we rely on the Spirit's power, Satan's schemes and the power of the demonic is overcome. Now, it could be really easy for us in this day and age to think, man, demonic, angelic, does that really even exist anymore? We could just write it off. They were just mythical creatures of a bygone era, surely. 
But angels and demons, according to the Bible, exist. That's why Paul will say in chapter 6 that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's why in verse 21 here, Paul reminds us Jesus reigns over our enemies, over the demonic that is trying to keep us from knowing God better. In some cultures, that seems to manifest in things like witchcraft and demonic oppression, and it's very obvious. Demon-filled person, let's pray for them in the name of Jesus, and the, the demon leaves, and, 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 the, and, and there's convulsions and all kinds of different things. I've seen those sorts of things. But it seems to me that the more common tactic in this rationalistic Western culture is actually that we uh, become trapped by the cultural and ideological lies of the enemy. Remember, he's the father of lies. And these things silence us and they make us dumb far more than demonic oppression um, that you might see elsewhere in the world. When you feel silenced by the world, remember this. Jesus' booming voice is the one that will cause all those voices to fall silent one day. Every knee will bow before him so we can speak boldly and confidently in the power of the Spirit poured out by Christ who reigns on high, because the one who does reign is on our side. Jesus reigns, he rules, and there is nothing, there is nothing that compares And he's poured out his spirit, which raised him from the dead, on you. Jesus has poured out his spirit, and the spirit is giving us knowledge that helps us to know God better. And he's poured out a power on you to rely on, and not in your own strength. Not in the ways of the world, but in the ways of God. Trusting him for your power and strength, not, not on yourself. Let me pray. Father God, thank you that you have poured out the Holy Spirit on us. Thank you that Jesus reigns. Thank you that we can be close with you because of what Jesus has done and because the Holy Spirit is on us and in us. Father, fill us with confidence this afternoon, we pray. Fill us with power, increasing power and increasing knowledge that helps us to live the lives you have called us to. We love you, God. Pray that you be with us as Naomi leads us in worship now. Uh, Lord, help us to be drawn into your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.